It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Ertz. You know, it was recently Mother's Day, and obviously it's a day where moms across the world get celebrated for all that they do, all that we do. But I got to be honest, I got to be frank. Sometimes I struggle with Mother's Day. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Let me introduce my guest to you. Dr. Susan Madsen is with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. And Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. Ladies, thank you for joining me. Before I share why I struggle with Mother's Day, I would love to hear how your Mother's Day went. You know, my Mother's Day, I I struggle with Mother's Day, have for most of the time I've been a mother. My oldest is 36 almost. So that's a lot of years, right? And there's some very specific reasons for that, you know. Um, but, you know, I, generally speaking, I, I, I had a lot of speeches last year, last week, I mean, and I talked about this a little bit. And so many women really struggle with Mother's Day. Not yeah. all women, but what we find is so many women do. And it's really... When we tried, when we switched from valuing mothers to idolizing mm, mothers, that's yes. the switch that that ha- women are like, oh, I just don't want to go there. I don't want to go to church and hear the great things about somebody's mother, like someone that says, my mother, I never heard my mother raise her voice right. even once right. my whole life. And so, you're like, wait, today or like the whole the whole year? What, what, <laughs> like, I never raised my voice today or no, Susan, I that is exactly, I think, why I struggle with Mother's Day. Um, part of it is well, I love being celebrated. Don't get me wrong. My birthday is also this time of year, so I get sort of doubly celebrated. Sometimes it falls on Mother's Day, but I struggle with that day because I feel guilty because sometimes all I want for Mother's Day is to not have to mother. I want to not have to take care of anyone for two seconds or not think about anyone or make any decisions. And like, it, it's not very fair for me to say to my husband, like, just take all this off my plate today. I mean, he's great about that, but he's the only one who can. He also has his own mother, right, and has other women in his life who he's trying to serve and honor as well. And so I just I feel guilty that I feel this way, but I feel guilty that sometimes on Mother's Day, I don't want to be in charge of anyone for half a second. Is that wrong? Do I am I a jerk? <laughs> I think that's I think that's really something that women deserve. So and and husbands do have to work kind of hard. But yesterday it was really my husband and I all day. It wasn't my my kids are not the best at remembering or valuing my role as a mother. Um, And so yet, I don't think I've ever I have never probably since I was five always did my mother, right? Maybe it's in the past. I don't know. So I, I saw my mother and helped. I want to always celebrate and have her feel good about Mother's Day. So I work really hard on that. Yeah. Emily, how do you feel about Mother's Day? Yeah, you know, um, 
It's interesting because I think it's all of those things that you said. And I, uh, it's like fantastic to be celebrated and it's tough for some people. It's tough for all of us in different ways. You know, my mom died when I was younger, when I was a teenager. And so it's, you know, some years I'm like bawling and so sad, like, Oh, I so sad. I don't have a mom, you know, and then other years, it's not a big deal. Um, but I, I think uh, yesterday was actually a good day. You know, I have just really embraced being a stinker and being super entitled on Mother's Day. I love I it. I mean, I am like, I don't want to dish in the sink. If I see anything, you're all suffering. <laughs> and then, so uh, we had my husband's family over just because we don't have, you know, I, I, I don't have a mom on my side. I have a lovely stepmother. She's a great lady. Um, but we usually celebrate with his family. Happy to so happy to do it. They're awesome people. Right. Um, but there is that sense, like we're entertaining and da, da, you know, it's yeah. work. Yeah. And so it's I draining. don't do much to help with that. I was laughing so hard. We, we, I, I demanded fish tacos because they're my favorite. Right. And I walked downstairs because I wouldn't help get it ready. <laughs> and I noticed there are like three filet of fish and like 30 people coming. I'm like, well, I better get in line soon. Right. I, to sell. I feel like I have to right? Where you're like, I should just yeah. take care of this. I should take oh, care yeah, of this. I should. But oh, I like, have that what moment. if I just I like, don't I'm plan just... the fish tacos? What if I don't plan? Yeah. What happens? What if I just hurry and get in line so that I actually get a fish taco? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it was a funny day. And I, I do have to tell you guys, because I, I did post this on social media. I was dying last night. My cute daughter, who is not one... She's not a very verbal person, but she writes these incredible cards, writes me this card. And she says in it, um, you have some crazy kids, but instead of disciplining them, you're just crazy with us. <laughs> and I was like, oh is that a compliment <laughs> or a backhand? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. I just died because I was like, it's just, I, you know, I can either be this mad about everything, or I can just accept that I'm going to be really entitled on mother's day and own it and get in line first and go to bed at 9 PM because I don't have to put yeah. anyone else to bed that day. Well, know? and I think that's another part of it for me too. I see so many women posting like you made me a mom and I'm so like, I love being your mother. And while I certainly feel that way about my children, sometimes I don't love motherhood and it's so hard and I feel guilty again that um, you know I don't always feel these like mushy warm lovey feelings towards the role of all the taking care of that you have to do right so I, I want to say Emily I love what you said though just just going with it just being entitled just saying I'm going to do this. This was actually my first year in many years where I just, after last year, when three of the four of my children didn't even remember Mother's Day, um, and, and I get a little teary-eyed, you know, it's like I worked so hard, and but this year, I'm like, I, I said after Mother's Day, my birthday, Lindsay comes this month, too, mm -hmm. It's um, and birthday. I've already got a few um, spa treatments yes. <laughs> on my birthday, I'm really excited. But this year, I just decided after last year, and they forgot my birthday, too. I think I had one kid that remembered. Um, and I just said, that's it. They're not, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to do my day, and I'm going to be okay, and no tears. And I did good yesterday. My husband tries. Right. <laughs> so, you got to love the husbands for giving it their all. Uh, but I did get a couple of texts. Um 
and uh, and one's coming over today. So there you go. There you go. We got to take the wins where we can get them. Dr. Susan yes. Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project, Emily Bell McCormick. We'll take a break more on The Mom Show in just a minute. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Ertz. We recently celebrated Mother's Day. And if you want to go podcast this episode, wherever you podcast, just search for the KSL Mom Show. You'll hear about why I struggle with Mother's Day <laughs> sometimes. Uh, it's a day where sometimes I don't want to have to do a single thing. And that's not always a luxury you get when you have children because they just require work. They just need taken care of. And most of the time I'm happy to do that. But there's like one day a year when moms get celebrated all over the world as they should be. But I would like to not have to lift a finger for the entire day. So and it's just not always a luxury that you get. So sometimes I struggle on Mother's Day. Hopefully I'm not alone out there. Dr. Susan Madsen is with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. She's joining me now as well as Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. Uh, Both these ladies have shared with me how they sometimes struggle on Mother's Day, so I don't feel quite so alone out there. But I did get uh, something on Mother's Day that actually made it okay. And this wasn't a physical gift, even though my sweet daughter made me a little um, clay tray like first graders do. It's now holding some of my jewelry. It's very beautiful. Um, But... uh, I she said to me that I was doing a good job and that was like the best gift I got on Mother's Day because sometimes you just have no idea if you're doing it right if you're making a difference if you're a mean mom if you're a nice mom sometimes my seven-year-old will say to me mom why are you being a mean mom and that's like when I get snippy and like annoyed and frustrated and I hurry her along so I can kind of gauge myself there but She just shows me so much uh, love. Like, it just makes me feel like I'm doing okay, even if I don't always get it right. So that little moment of validation for me was such a great gift yesterday. So I did get that. I don't even think she realized she gave it to me, but (laughs) she was able to kind of vocalize that to me. So I really appreciate it. Um, Ladies, did you get any gifts that you'd like to talk about on Mother's Day? My favorite thing, I am such a words person. I want words all the time. And I think my older kids have kind of figured that out a little bit. And so um, I got a couple letters, one from my older son and who's 16 and a daughter who's 14. And I will just say it was so like weird and insightful reading them as their mother because they'd kind of like pinpointed pieces of me that I was like, Oh, weird. I don't want you to see that part of me. Like (laughs) you think, Oh no, I'm in mom mode. Now I'm doing dishes. I'm trying to figure out like what disgusting thing I can microwave for dinner because I don't like to cook. I'm like, when I'm with them, I'm like mom mode, drive carpool. What am I doing? Do you you know, doctor's appointment today? And uh, my older son, it kind of talked about, thanks mom for um, showing us how we should be taking care of the world. And I I, I don't think that I necessarily do that. No, you do. I just was like really surprised because I stress out a lot about the state of affairs on the planet earth. Yeah, And so I, you know, like that's just was really interesting. And then my daughter kind of talked about like, you know, I, I mentioned this in the first segment, but mom, you're not good at discipline, but you are good at like goofing around with us. And I thought like, okay, that is, was like 
kind of a wonderful gift to me as a mother, because I thought, okay, I won't ever be the person that somebody stands up for in church and says like, my mom make, made the best homemade bread, you know, right. but I could see for the first time, because I was the one that was defining motherhood narrowly. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Like I'm not doing these things. Therefore I'm failing. We don't always have clean laundry. Our house is kind of messy. I despise cooking, mm. like despise it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not doing well. But to have them kind of be able to pinpoint like, mom, you're showing us like a different perspective on the world. And mom, you're not like my other friends, moms who make them play the piano, but you do laugh with us. You know, and I was like, okay, that's like something. It's not maybe what I would want to be, but it is like what I am. And I'm glad that there's some strength. Well, and it's so vitally important. And I think you bring up an important point, Emily, that motherhood, I love this saying, and I've heard it in a couple of places that motherhood is a relationship not a role, right? Your relationship, like motherhood is not defined by the dishes you do and the bread that you make and how many nights you have dinner on the table. Like motherhood is your relationship with your children. And you think about some of the most important relationships in your life. First of all, my husband is one of my best friends and the closest person to me. I see him like three hours a day. Like we have a great relationship and I don't spend 24 seven with him. Right. So I would make the argument that you don't have to be home full time to be able to have a great relationship with your kids. And your examples, Emily, are just that of a a mother who, um, you know, relates to her kids on a level with humor and. You know, I just let go a long time ago that motherhood had to be always having a clean house and always, you know, being there for everything. And I just redefined all of that about motherhood. And I think that's so important. So um, I, a few years ago, one of my sons did those the words that Emily was talking about is so important, really took some time and sent me it was just an email, it wasn't even a card, but it was it was thoughtful, and it was specific. And that was, was great. Last year, actually, my one of my kids that had forgotten my youngest, his name is Scott, after he kind of forgot Mother's Day and my birthday, he about a week later, he came over and he just had the sweetest like two things. And one was he knows I love yellow roses, I get teary eyed. And it was just this single yellow rose. And it was, you know, it was just awesome. And then he also bought me at Smith's, they have the bath bombs, the big ones, do you know what I'm talking about? And I, you know, I love like, orange and all the different colors. And so all it was was this yellow rose and these bath bombs and that just like warmed my heart because he knew enough that those two things would be important to me yeah and so i i love that and and i'm just i wanted to share one thing that i will never forget so my oldest son when he was young he was probably nine i had taught him how to make some simple things i'm not really a I don't love to cook, but he knew how to make a green salad and he knew how to make, and I don't even know what these are called anymore. We haven't, I haven't made them for like 20 years, but um, these like crescent rolls where you put this cream cheese chickeny stuff in and seal yeah. them in and stick it. I don't know what um, he made those. And then I had taught him how to make a cream cheese, like cheesecake, mm-hmm. like you put, make and put blueberries and he wanted to do the whole mother's day dinner. And that's what he made yes. by himself. He was like nine. And I still, that has just, that was like, 
the thing I remember is him caring and wanting to do that. Um, so those are a few, few things um, that I, that I do love. I love that. Dr. Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. Speaking of gifts for Mother's Day, I want to talk in our next segment. Uh, Dr. Madsen, you recently wrote an op-ed about how education is one gift we can give our mothers. And I want to dive into that and figure out what you meant by that when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into The Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. If you are just joining us, you can podcast this show wherever you podcast. Just search for The KSL Mom Show. And you'll find us there. I'm Lindsay Ertz, joined today by Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick, who's with the Policy Project. We've been talking today about our unconventional Mother's Days, uh, mainly because we don't always love Mother's Day. It's a day where, as they should be, mothers get celebrated, but sometimes it's hard to feel like when you're living up to, quote unquote, the ideals. But we also talked about the gifts that we've received um, that aren't necessarily physical gifts that were great gifts from our children and mainly just the validation that we got that you're doing okay, right? I saw a post on um, Instagram this week that talked about being the world's okayest mom. Like, I just really, really wish we could throw out all the the preconceived definitions of motherhood that we've been drilled into our heads over the years and just redefine motherhood like since when did being a good mom mean you had to have a clean house like could I be 100% attentive and loving to my children have them have a great childhood and always have toys on the floor like could you make that argument like I just wish we could separate the definition and relationship of motherhood with the tasks of motherhood even like Changing diapers, like maybe you hate changing diapers. Does loving changing diapers make you a good mom? Well, no, but like maybe, okay, taking care of their physical needs is something you can make an argument for. But that's still a task you don't have to love and you can still be a fantastic mother. Like I just wish we could kind of separate those definitions of the relationship versus the tasks of motherhood, the things that we have to do when it comes to motherhood. Like reminding my seven-year-old to change her socks and underwear. Like that's just like something I have to do. And I roll my eyes that I have to do it because like I just, I guess, assumed that human beings come with the knowledge that you have to change your socks and underwear every day. But a seven-year-old doesn't know that. And so... Just, again, uh, changing that definition of what makes a good mom, I think, is so important. And defining it for yourself so you're meeting those expectations. Um, Dr. Madsen, let me bring you in here. You recently wrote an op-ed about education and motherhood. Talk to me about what you meant by uh, education is a gift that we can give to our mothers. So thank you for that question. I did feel very – I've always felt strongly – that mothers, I mean, when my kids are doing well, it's a gift to me. I mean, I love it. It brings me joy. It brings me happiness when they're doing well. And so I did write an editorial that honoring our mothers, we can honor our mothers by seeking higher education. There's so many 
links for going and getting your college degree, especially so many benefits, especially at that bachelor's degree, but all the way up as well, that you actually are happier and you have higher quality of life and you make more money and, uh, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds of benefits. And so that's my argument to really think about that. One of the things, I mean, the gifts, the, the roses, those things are just so meaningful in the time that we get those. But what we really want as mothers, and I would say maybe not every mother, but but the majority of mothers, right, that really care about their children, which we have like so many in the state of Utah, we want our kids to have true joy, true happiness. And there's so many links to going to college and graduating um, that that are linked to all of those benefits. And so, yeah, I've I've talked about that to my kids so much, but that's really the basics of what I said. And I reminded people that even when you have more education, you have better health, lower levels of obesity, cholesterol, depression, um, alcohol abuse, financial benefits. You know, you have better health care, higher incomes, less unemployment. You have better teamwork and critical thinking skills and just so many different things. In fact, fact, um, you know, more educated people get engaged in their communities and donate blood and so forth. And my kids are older and I, that that's one, one thing I, I want them to do, right? I want them to be good citizens. So, yeah. so anyway, I love, I love just working on getting that message any way I can to the community. No, it's so important. And Emily, let me bring you in here. Does that speak to you of uh, one of the best gifts maybe that we can give our own mothers is a legacy, right? It's kind of continuing on uh, making the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think about as you have kids grow and when they're young and demanding, like Lindsay, yours are so really young. My youngest are seven now, which is still young, but I've got some that are teenagers and I'm starting to see the end of the, or the light at the end of the tunnel with them. Um, But you realize that, man, it doesn't matter. Like you were saying, whether their toys on the floor, whether they had I mean, some of these things matter. Mac and cheese. I was going to say, no, it doesn't listen, matter. Ma- like they're fed. Every night, they're fed. Or maybe it doesn't matter if they eat vegetables. But, um, uh, but, but in reality, you know, your hope is that they're going to go and be successful. I was actually talking to a friend the other day who has a daughter who's really struggling, you know, maybe um, they, they've kind of gotten into a tough cadence of a relationship where they're, she's 16 and there are big fits. It's a lot of fighting, you know, it's threat things that's um heavy depression you know she's cutting like some really tough like self-harm things along with it and she and this friend was just very concerned like you know she's doing this now she lives in my house what happens when she leaves and I I said like not to minimize any of those things but with some confidence like you know you have a college degree, you're a moderate, kind mom, you know, you're thoughtful, your husband is a thoughtful person, you know, she's growing up and she's seeing that pattern. You're that's like probably one of the best things that you can do for her. It's yeah. just like modeling that for her and the chance of her succeeding is okay because she's seeing that even if she's struggling right now. So I think, yeah, as a parent, as you watch your kids grow, it'd be great if my kid was pretty amazing at soccer, you know, or great at piano. But the reality is I don't actually long-term care about that. I mean, I personally don't at all. Um, but, 
I do want them to feel like they understand how, like their role in a community and their need for education because it only opens doors. It only allows them to be more free than they currently are. Well, and you you bring up such a great point, Emily, that the best uh, tool we have in our toolkit as mothers is to be the example of what we want them to be, right? Because sometimes words fall on deaf little ears, right? You can talk to your blue in the face about how important education is, but if they don't see you get one, you know, those actions speak so much louder than words when it comes to all aspects of parenting. And I would make the argument when it comes to vegetables that your job is to, as a mom is simply to offer them whether or not they eat them, is up to them, right? Because they're that humans. That feels fair to me. That feels fair. You did your job. You offered the vegetables. You, you know, you tried to give them a source Amen. of some micronutrients, yep. but you can't shove food down their throats. I'm just going to make right. that argument there. <laughs> Dr. Matson, did you have any extra thoughts uh, about the education piece? Yeah, I. You, something you said it just rings so true in the research, and that is. The more education a mother has, the more educated her daughter is going to be Mm. and her sons. And there's a relationship with fathers, too. But, of course, mothers have this connection because of identity with gender to their daughters. And so one of the research findings we had like over 10 years ago, and this, but this is still true, that if a mother here in Utah, when we did all this extensive data, didn't have a college degree, but there were two other things that she could really do to really help that daughter know, you know, that go to college that, and we had statistical evidence of this. And one is, that if she went back even to one class, you know, an, an evening class or an online, if she went back when she was older and just started down that path, that impacted her daughters. Mm. Absolutely. And second, if she didn't have the education, but she talked often about how she wished she did. Mm. Like, I wished I would have, I want you, this would have been, I would have, you know, I would have been able to do this, this and this. And, it, you know, that conversation was so important. So I think that's so critical. What we know, Lindsay, is that everyone, no matter if they're men or women, all genders actually need education to really be successful. You know, through the years, we've said, well, a woman is just, I'm putting quote marks up, mm-hmm. a, just a mom. So she doesn't really need education. Oh, there's so many. Well, first of all, nearly all women work for pay at some point in their life and having a career of some kind, not just a job where you're at Walmart or something. I I do go to Walmart occasionally. (laughs) Um, So I don't mean to talk down to that, but the, but the, the salary, I mean, you just need to be able to make a living wage when we don't educate ourselves and we, we happen to be married. We're saying my husband will never leave. My husband will always, you know, um, always be alive. There are people that die. I mean, we just need to be prepared, but we can also use it to raise kids, our education. So there's my pitch for you, Lindsay. No, it's so important. And I think it translates to your point about, um, you know, if a mother doesn't have an education, but she really wants that for her daughter. I think that translates over to a career too, because my mother uh, stayed home and it was her life's mission to raise her children, still is, even though we're all grown and out of the house. Um, And I struggled as a woman who didn't necessarily see my 
my greatest role as being a stay-at-home mom. And so I really struggled comparing myself to my mom who loved it, feeling like I was supposed to love it too, and not having my mom say to me that I wish I had gone out and gotten a career. You know, I, I never had anything outside that was my own, right? That was me doing my thing, Um really did shift my mindset that it was okay for me to go out and pursue that uh, more so than being a stay-at-home mom because not that there's anything wrong with that, obviously, but it wasn't a path that was fulfilling me. And so to have her say that to me was really important. So I think that can translate both in the education piece and the career piece. So, so important. Dr. Susan Madsen with Utah Women in Leadership Project, Emily Bell McCormick with us as well from the Policy Project. We'll take a break. One more segment with these ladies when we come back on The Mom Show. Back inside the Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us here with Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick, who's with the Policy Project. We've talked about a range of topics today dealing with motherhood. And as we uh, come off Mother's Day this month, uh, we've talked a little bit about that as well. So you can go podcast the rest of this episode wherever you podcast. Just search for the KSL Mom Show. Uh, Dr. Madsen, I wanted to ask you this uh, last question. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and uh, I have a story strong desire to normalize maternal mental health. Specifically, I suffered with postpartum anxiety, obviously a a very specific time in my life. But so many mothers are dealing with mental health issues and just the demands of motherhood can spring those upon you. And I also know that as far as postpartum goes, it affects women of color more significantly than white women. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two two things I'd love to talk about in this last segment. And one is I just had an editorial come out on May being Mental Health Awareness Month and really connection, you know, that connection with women. And then the second one, really May is also Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. And we've recently just released uh, two reports, one on Asian women in Utah, the status of Asian women in Utah, and then another one on Pacific Islander. Uh, women. So excited to talk about all that. Just real quick. I mean, the the Mental Health Awareness Month, we could be there for show after show after show. But generally speaking, speaking, you know, there's a critical link between mental health and then overall health and well-being. And women actually struggle more. Um, in fact, one of our studies from a while ago talked about that nearly one in five women report having seven or more poor mental health days in the last month. Mm. So that's a lot. And as we know, in the state of Utah, we we have women saying they have even more, you know, um, than than some other states, many other states. And we have quite high, you know, levels of antidepressant. And so this is just something, and we, we've talked about all kinds of different mental health issues, including postpartum depression. So so I just think it's important in this month, I won't get into all the research there because I'd love to talk about the other research as well, but I think it's just something, let's pay attention. Yeah. Especially as mom, moms, right? But as, as women who impact so many, you know, we can mother, we can, we, we don't have to be mothers biological mothers to mother Mm. and influence. And so I would just really encourage everyone to, to think about that and really pay attention and learn more. The more we learn, the more we can positively impact others. Well, and I think there's such a correlation between caregiving and mental health, right? Where you are giving of yourself day after day after day 
and not, you know, maybe not caring as well for your own needs because out of love, right? Out of kindness where you're trying to just be a good mom or be a good caregiver or be a good daughter taking care of her elderly mother, right? But it can literally suck the life out of you. And Emily, I'm sure you've had experiences like this in your life where you have to strike that balance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, anytime you have more than just yourself, um, uh, you know, more more people than just yourself that rely on you, it really is, you know, it's hard. And I know that um, Dr. Manson said this earlier, but so, you know, most women need to work and to help provide for finances as well. And so the weight is especially heavy. And I think it's a good time, you know, I appreciate that there's so much more um, um, awareness around these things that we're talking about it more so that it gives women more leverage to kind of own it. Maybe if you're feeling funky or not up to the task of whatever you're being asked to do that you, that you understand that that's a common sentiment that many of us have felt that way and do feel that way at uh, different points in our lives. Yeah, so important. Uh, Let me switch gears a little bit. Dr. Madsen, I recently reported on some of the research that you just did on Utah's women of color, and specifically you talked about Utah's Asian women. And while you had to kind of group all Asian women together, we know that there are 20 different ethnicities within Asian women. And so your research does look at the group as a whole, but within that group, there are uh, different, again, ethnicities that maybe struggle in different areas. Absolutely. We did Pacific Islander and Asian, and we have one that's coming out soon on black women. So I just wanted to make a couple of statements about that. People have said, well, why are you doing these? Um, And, you know, we're not all the same. Women and men are not all the same. And then you get with women and and there's so many differences with white women uh, compared to Asian women and Pacific Islander and black and so forth. And even white women are so different. Right. But we often report on women in general and what we're finding in in all of these is that that they play out different. Pacific Islander women have less education than than all women in Utah. Um, Black women too, but Asian women sometimes, even though there's so many ethnicities as a whole, they have more uh, education. So there's such differences. And what I am on kind of a bandwagon about is this, that in the state of Utah, we are worse than other states in this in this um, element. And that is, there's so many things that we do that we don't collect gender and we don't collect data on race or ethnicity. Mm. And it does not serve us well. I've had reporters that move to Utah and say, wait, in Colorado or other states, I can get all this data, but in Utah, I can't. We need to more and more ask those questions wherever we're at so we can gather data. We're still behind the times in terms of we think if I don't like pay attention, then I'm really gender blind or race blind. But we know that doesn't work at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. So the, the research says the more we understand the differences and the uniqueness of different races and genders and so forth, the more we can better address and serve and lift each other. So that's kind of the big thing I wanted to put out that, that we will be putting out more, you know, reports on this. However, even within 
let's say black women, that's the next one coming out. There's so many differences, but the more we know, the more we can do. So important. Emily, I'll give you the last 30 seconds here and ask you a really broad question that I'll make you answer in 30 seconds. You do a lot of policy work. How does knowing information about different ethnicities and different uh, groups of women of color help in the policy work? Oh, that's such a fabulous question. And I'll be really quick about this, but it makes all the difference, right? Because we know that when we're approaching like an issue, um, we are, we generally try to take on really broad issues. You know, we're less in the business of like, we're going to help these 10 people that needs to be done as well, but we're looking at kind of statewide issues and how they affect people. Um, that's something that we really realized with like periods. We knew that, um, girls of color were starting their period much younger than girls who are white. Um, and And so that was, you know, that actually has a big effect because there were other things correlated to that. It was like, if you're a girl of color who's experienced trauma, it's you're starting even earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like these issues compound. And so I think generally from a policy perspective, when we look and we're like, oh, why? Well, that's weird. Why is that? Why isn't that group? here? Why isn't that group there? You know, like, why haven't they attained these certain levels? And you need the data to say, this is why, because we're, you know, you're dealing with a child who's experienced trauma. On top of that, they've potentially experienced racism. They've also experienced, you know, a single parent household or whatever, not all of those children. Yeah. Just when you know those groups, you really cannot um, put in effective policy without being aware of who you're trying to serve. Yeah, it's so important. You can even target that in areas like housing, right, where we talk so much about affordable housing and housing shortages in Utah. So we're just scratching the surface of all of this data. We'll do more of it as it comes out. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project and then Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. Thank you, ladies, for joining me this week. As always, we'll be Thanks. back next week on The Mom Show.